0: Welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. she's a wild, wild woman. On today's episode, we have Michelle High. Join us for a conversation all about how larger systems impact our ability to love. Together we talk about how the personal is political, growing in relationships, and being turned on by the revolution. Dear listener, welcome to another episode of Modern Anarchy Podcast. I am... So delighted that you are here learning about our pleasure and our liberation. I am excited to share this episode with you about the political nature of relationship anarchy and non-monogamy and our ability to love one another. Okay, when we're talking about how larger systems impact our ability to love, I could probably... Express a whole essay, hours of content, and how these systems impact us. When you're working that nine to five and you come home exhausted without any space to connect with your partner, let alone multiple partners, yeah, that's impacting our ability to love. And my God, that's just what a drop of water on how these larger systems are impacting that. So I don't want to try and cover all of them, right, in one conversation or one little intro here, so I'm not even going to try to do that, all right? Instead, we're going to unpack that through conversations and many years of conversation in this space, dear listeners, so I hope you're excited to join me on this ride, to join me on this lifetime of exploration of what it means to be a pleasure radical, a pleasure activist. And I wanted to share something with you, dear listener. I am still shaken up by the reality of this. A few episodes back, I released my episode on why I started wearing my purity ring again, right? That was my birthday episode. Taking you, dear listener, into a much deeper dive of my personal story and the ways that I'm showing up in this space and what it means for me to be a divine whore. Now, it's funny because I had told my close partners and friends about the plan to release that episode, but I certainly hadn't told my mother. Now, when we think about who bought me the purity ring as a child, right? That was my parents, my mom, you know, as a child, paying for me to have that ring that I'm now wearing on my ring finger today, right? And (laughs) I Y'all, I I just don't even know how to clue you into how wild this is that I had recorded that episode, set it all up to release on my birthday, hadn't told my mom about it, and then my mom actually lives in a different state, so she sent out a gift for me, and it arrived on my birthday, and I was able to actually open up my gift from my mom on my birthday, and y'all will never Believe what the gift is that my mom got without having any idea that I had recorded and released that episode. My mother bought me a snake ring. Okay, if you have any awareness of Christian mythology and the myth of Satan, the snake, in terms of the Garden of Eden, oh my God, can you understand? how radical it was for me on the day that i released my episode about my purity ring and reclaiming that to get a ring from my mom who has has not bought me a ring in any other context to be quite frank for my birthday or anything Literally that day, she decides to send me a snake ring that has deeply satanic and sin connotations to it. I mean, come on, y'all. You know, obviously going through my deconstruction of Christianity and religion, I am very skeptical of a god figure, right? Or that sort of presence in our world. But Oh my god, when I get wild synchronicities like that, the day I release my purity ring episode is also the day that my mom sends me a snake ring. Ooh, that makes me want to believe in some higher power, let me tell you, because those synchronicities are wild, okay? When Mandy was asking me about spirituality and my spiritual stories, that will be one moving forward that I talk about how meaningful it was to release that episode for me and then on the same day to get a snake ring from my mother. I mean, that timing's just divine, okay, y'all? Divine. Um, I am currently looking at my right hand right now that has my purity ring on the ring finger on the right hand and then my index finger with the snake ring and man if I've never seen more of a beautiful balance in terms of where I'm at right now with my life and my journey and so I just wanted to share with you dear listener about what a radical divine synchronicity that was and makes me think more about this universe, certainly, and whatever sort of connections we're all sharing. And so I'm thankful you're in this space. I'm thankful you're joining me because we're probably connected in some sort of higher level way that I don't even understand at this point in my life um, and probably never will. But yes, this episode with Michelle is packed with so many good conversation pieces. This is a show about anarchy, right? What does that mean? And And for me, anarchy is about acknowledging power structures, right? And when we're thinking about the different ways that power has been internalized, right? Whether we're conscious of it or not, it is there. It is the water that we are swimming in and often frequently unaware of. And so being able to have this space, this podcast where we are examining how power is internalized and impacting our ability to love, oof, Yeah, that's a juicy conversation space. And like Michelle said about anarchy, right? Question everything, dismantle hierarchies, and build community. And I am thankful for you, dear listener, for joining me in that building of community for sending this podcast to your friends and sharing this message. Truly, it is you and I and together that we are going to change this world. We have to remember that there are more of us, so many more of us than the billionaires at the top. Let me tell you, that pyramid is really big at the bottom, okay? And people are waking up We have never had this level of access to the internet, to connection, to sharing ideas for free, right? Like what a concept and people are waking up. We are seeing the end stages of the Monopoly game where people are getting frustrated because someone has all the money and all of us are looking around going, seems like this game is unfair. Seems like you're just going to win and we're going to keep going around and you're taking our money. I mean, y'all... If the revolution does not turn you on, I want to invite you to dream bigger, to fantasize more. What would it mean to step into a world of pleasure, a pleasure revolution? Dear listener, I want you to keep dreaming until you feel that response in your body. And we'll keep talking about it, we'll keep learning, and we'll keep exploring in this space. All right, my dear, dear listener out there in the world, let's tune in to today's episode. Hello, dear listener. Before we hear a word from today's sponsor, I wanted to invite you to contribute to the first study on relationship anarchy. If you are a relationship anarchist, I would love to hear your perspective on a couple of short questions that I have linked below in the show notes. My doctoral dissertation was the first study on relationship anarchy, and I'm continuing this research through the survey below And there's also the option, if you would like, to join me on the podcast to explore a live conversation that will be shared with all of the modern anarchy community. Completely optional, whether you do just the survey or looking to join me on the show, please click that link below, share it with all of your relationship anarchist friends, and I look forward to sharing the results from this research study with you sometime in the future. I'm sending you all my love. And now a word from today's sponsor. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay. Well, then the first one I usually like to start out with is how would you introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: I would just introduce myself as, uh, yeah, my name's Michelle High. She, her pronouns, I uh, run the page polyamorous while Asian, talking mm-hmm. about my experiences with non-monogamy over the past decade. Yeah.
0: And in terms of the conversation, that's exactly what I was thinking. I wanted to ask, you know, like what has been your journey mm-hmm. over the last decade? And and I'd love if you could like take up the space to really like tell that story for you.
1: Hmm. Yeah. 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 I started doing the non-monogamy thing actively in 2012. Okay. Um. I was about 18. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I don't know a lot of a lot of ups and downs. A lot of ups and downs. Um. So my introduction yeah. to the term polyamory was through the book Sex at Dawn and yeah it was my my first boyfriend at the time uh, he suggested that i read the book and i had heard i had heard of the book but yeah once i started reading it a lot of things just started clicking for me and, and i'm like oh okay like this non monogamy thing i had always wondered if adults could do a sharing situation <laughs> with regard to relationships you know, watching movies and things, but always there's always like a love triangle or some sort of conflict with other potential partners and lovers and whatnot. Yeah, I always had this this uh, question in my mind of like, can't adults just share or something? Um. So yeah, so when I read Sex at Dawn, you know, it's just the more uh, that I read, the more it made sense. Mm-hmm. And I haven't turned back since then. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've had a very similar experience of um, use the word clicking, right? Like where it, it mm, at least for mm-hmm. me, it just felt like, like, yes, like these ideas. Yes, yes. Like this makes sense. And and it just started, I, I, it's hard to describe that like innate sense of calling to these ideas. I'm curious mm-hmm. if you have more words for what that like clicking was when you were first reading sex at dawn and seeing this kind of like unfold this possibility.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah sorry i'm like trying to fight my cat <laughs> <laughs> cats are welcome cats
0: are welcome <laughs> um
1: but yeah so i i grew up in my God, like broken household is such a is such a dramatic mm-hmm. term but yeah. yeah my parents divorced when i was about six or seven um and so i think early on i saw how monogamy didn't work like like it's not that monogamy doesn't work Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw an example up front of how monogamy didn't work in this case. So, reading this book, I think it also appealed to me because they came from like a more like anthropological lens as well, as opposed to more of those like how to books uh, sure. on polyamory. Um, so, I think that resonated with me a bit more. I'm um, trying to think of like, oh, humans have been doing all sorts of relationships since the beginning of you know i don't know Since instance forever basically mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like this makes sense this makes sense that there are a diversity of ways to do relationships that isn't just this very typical kind of i don't know almost like christiany kind of monogamy yeah. this western uh conceptual just it was just like a whole new world <laughs> um that's that's what i uh, came away with when i finished reading sex at dawn where it's just like wow there's this whole new world of stuff that I've been thinking about in the back of my mind since I was like an adolescent. And it just feels like something that I can, I can do, even though I tend to, I, especially as a teenager, like tended to be very shy and withdrawn, pretty private. Um, But even then, like as like an extreme introvert, I felt like this, I think this will work for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Feeling that calling. Yeah. Despite maybe being shy that like this is something that could be a good fit. And I think, yeah, like you had said, the word broken is, is an intense word, but these moments where, you know, cause monogamy does work for certain people and they thrive in that, but it's so much more so like the cultural scripts of our time being that this is the one way to do relationships. Right. And if you have that moment in our own lives where we see that Mm -hmm. not work out, you start to ask deeper questions about like, maybe there's other ways of being. And I feel like that's something that's been like a repeat idea on the podcast, you know, if you're disabled or you have a different identity, like you start to question the system a little bit more and say, hey, maybe there's other ways. And then hence why something like, you know, Sex at Dawn would resonate so much, right? Like here's this piece that is telling us, yeah, throughout history, it hasn't always been this way.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah and I yeah I like that you bring up that like you know from you know when you have more intersections of I think more marginalized identities within society there is more uh reason to question why things are the way they are like if you fit completely within the status quo like uh you may be completely oblivious to the fact that there may be something wrong or just not completely right with how things work
0: because Mm -hmm. things are working for you Mm -hmm. right Yes, that's perfectly put. Exactly like that, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. You were reading that book. You said you had mentioned a boyfriend at the time. Like, how did that unfold? What was the next step of that process?
1: Yeah. So it's um. God, and I. Yeah. Whenever I like retread this, it's always just like, oh God, baby Michelle.
0: I know. I'm doing that every week. I'm like month old Nicole. No shit, Jesus.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Oh my goodness. But um, yeah. So I was about 18, and so. My first ever boyfriend, like we had only just met and it was like a kind of a long distance thing for a bit. And so we were like emailing back and forth and texting back and forth for a while. And like I had never been any, in any sort of relationship before that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when he asked me to read Sex at Dawn, I think I'd already had this inkling um, like why he wanted me to read it. And it was like, oh God, like all these red flags, you know, like mm. looking looking back hindsight is twenty twenty, and whatever. But he had only read the book maybe a couple months or a few months before I had. So it's not like he was this super um, experienced Namanagos person trying to, I don't know, teach me or whatever. It was mm-hmm. really like, um, I don't know, the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I read that book. It made a lot of sense to me. And he had a girlfriend at the time. And that's when he like introduced the idea that like he had a, he had like a girlfriend and all this stuff and like a lot of a lot of really like red flag non monogamy things. But I was 18, yeah, freshman year in college. Was very excited to try things and yeah. was very excited about a lot of stuff and want to be open to a lot of things. So that's that's basically how it all started. Just being very curious and very nervous, but also very intrigued and excited. By this non monogamy thing. Um, and especially like, God, at 18, like he was 32 at the time. So I was like, oh, this older man, sort oh, of mystique. It's yeah. just, oh, it's so cringe to think about.
0: <laughs> Valuable lessons
1: along the way. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm lessons learned the hard way but valuable lessons yeah. nonetheless Th- lessons that require therapy mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> I learned a lot learned a lot <laughs> yes
0: 100 percent. i'm still unpacking where those things are mm-hmm. coming from they're still showing up in my day-to-day about mm. who i'm attracted to and i'm like some deep shadow work every mm. time i'm like where What? what is this where is this?
1: <laughs> right? new? like whoa
0: yeah exactly <laughs> i will probably mm-hmm. get to be 90 years old one day and still being like damn like there's still more to uncover or at least I hope maybe there's oh my god in that you know I think so
1: I I really am a believer that like we keep learning about ourselves and about things until the day we die like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah death is really the actual end
0: <laughs> yeah 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 when I first heard about non-monogamy someone had introduced it to me too he also was a little bit older this like artist type that I was fantasizing Mm. about oh those ones are so juicy you know what I mean yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly they play all the instruments he has such a wide record collection oh my god you know
1: (laughs) oh so worldly so cultured yeah right
0: and now he's talking to me about non-monogamy like whoa Mm -hmm. but I mean my first reaction was like but you don't love me like I should be enough like, you don't love mm-hmm. me, like, I should be enough. If you want anyone else, it's a sign that you don't love me. That was my mm-hmm. first reaction to it. Mm-hmm. While mixed also with, like, some level of, like, this is resonating with me at the same time. Like, I want this freedom. Yeah. But, like, the reverse of having my partner have it was, like, wild to try and integrate.
1: hmm hmm Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, trying to remember. Uh, I think because I was so new to relationships in general, mm-hmm. I didn't already have, like, a personal script like mm. for relationships or monogamy yeah. um so I think that like for better and worse you know I was like naive and inexperienced so I didn't have a lot of knowledge of myself in a way but on the other hand it helps me to be a bit more open and I didn't feel like a lot of like that uh, those initial like jealousy kind of feelings which also I mean with the openness thing and the inexperienced thing that also made me a prime target for molding (laughs) and some some grooming yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: would you feel comfortable sharing that in this space because i i wonder how many other people kind of like are coming into it very new to Mm -hmm. these ideas and have no idea and like are stepping into that same process
1: yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I, I have no problem talking about it because yeah, yeah. unfortunately, like over the years, I've learned that it's pretty common. Mm, yeah. Um, like like yeah, in monogamy, it's you know, grooming and, and that kind of thing is very common. But like also in um non-monogamy, like where people can like collect people, <laughs> it's very rampant. And also with like polyamory and overlap with like king community and stuff, also something that is unfortunately too common. Yeah. And people have to be vigilant about. But yeah, like uh like with my experience yeah there's like, this older guy introducing all these things to me and it was very exciting and he was giving me a lot of attention and he was throwing a lot of things of like more or less of like you're very smart for your age and that that kind of stuff you know like this mm. this stuff that feels very complimentary yeah but is actually uh right the, these like early signs of like intentions to groom even even if like in his mind like I don't think in his mind he's like I'm I'm going to groom this young person but in his mind he gravitated toward younger women because yeah they have less experience yeah um they have less like quote-unquote baggage mm. they have and really they have lower standards um like I definitely had lower standards I didn't really know what boundaries were um mm. because growing up I I think I had this idea that boundaries were yeah were bad or were like kind of confrontational or um, it was kind of disobedient to have mm, boundaries, maybe yeah. that conflicted with what parental or authority of figures had. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was going into this relationship with, Oof. you know, all of these really open targets. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, and then it just so happened that a guy came along and saw those targets yeah. and that was that relationship lasted um, over the course of about five years, wow. um, I think, because a lot of it was like long distance. Mm. So there was a lot of like slow developments in the first couple of years. Um, but we even uh, like lived together for mm-hmm. about two years mm-hmm. before I realized like, whoa, <laughs> this is really bad. <laughs> yeah. I, and I say this a lot, but like um, when I describe this time in my life, that it's no coincidence that I finally... Got out of that relationship after I finally finished college. Mm-hmm. After I got my first um, full-time job, um, so like some more financial security. And in that time, I had found a couple other partners who were much more stable and a lot more sustainable and healthier. And so, yeah, it's it's really no coincidence that in that, that year where all that happened, that I realized and also felt comfortable enough to be like, oh, we need to stop seeing each other. <laughs>
0: Mm hmm. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, which makes me like just hold space for all the people that like, I mean, one, the financial piece, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. huge. It's huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. How many people will stay in relationships because of that? And, you know, the systems were under and then that creates a Yeah, 100% situations that happen like this and then the other half of it I was thinking about like as you were saying, you know learning boundaries i'm over there in that camp too. like didn't (laughs) know those right like learning that process like. From like a psychology lens like how do we learn that right at least like my theoretical background would say that we grow in relationships so you need other mm. relationships to show that to you maybe a therapy relationship maybe good partners maybe good friends other people but otherwise we're just kind of like sitting in the dark with the patterns that we learned from childhood of how to interact so it's like i want to ask like how do we help people get there but then it's like we all need relationships right like and that's kind of what you're hitting on is how these like other partners really like changed the game
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely like um so when I first started date- started dating this guy um there was like an explosive thing um when I told my mother about it and like mm-hmm. at, at the time like even at the time I understood why she had such a strong reaction yeah um but of course it's a lot more clear um now and like a lot of the things that went down in that conversation, it was just it was just so intense. Mm. And uh, there there was a lot of uh, like I, I pushed back a lot because even though ultimately they were right in that this guy was not good for me, the reasons that they were listing just didn't resonate mm. at all. And there were very kind of extreme reactions, emotional reactions of like, if you drop out of school and you get on drugs or you get pregnant or whatever, like like you are not allowed in this house anymore. Oh um so from that I got this idea that like I can't tell my parents anything. Mm. I can't turn to them for guidance. Yeah. Um and so I have to do this alone and I have to do this on my own. And then it also because (laughs) because I have this like stubbornness streak in my head um that uh especially like at 18, 19 and then into the early twenties this sort of pride of like, okay, I got into my first relationship and that first relationship needs to last mm. or else I'm just one of those naive little <laughs> little teenagers yeah. that, you know, got in way over her head and sure. failed at relationship at her first go. And so mm-hmm. I also had that in my head, yeah. um, which encouraged me to stay for longer than I should have. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. That reminds me of like that investment do they call it an investment fallacy? I don't know. That's you know, sunk Yes, sunk cost. yes, yeah, exactly. sunk cost. Exactly yes, yes. yes. Like I
1: think about that all the time. <laughs>
0: yeah, we put so many resources into this and I'm not going to walk away. Right. So hence that, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm also thinking like how painful to get that message from your parents, right, that you'd be like cast out. That's like one of the scariest things we can mm-hmm. have as social creatures is that we're like being taken away from the herd and from the community. So that's so hard that you had to do that on your own. And it makes me wonder, like, how do you meet people in that space? Like, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. I guess that's my job, but I'm asking (laughs) you too, like, how how do you meet people in that space? Do you have any advice that you think when you look back on that time in your life that would have resonated
1: with you or kind of got some sort of movement? Oh, gosh. Um, I think growing up for myself, so for myself growing up, there was a lot of like, having to raise myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm also like an older sister. And so having to be like little mother Mm -hmm. oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So in my circumstances, I think I had already from a young age stopped reaching out to my mom for a lot of emotional support Mm -hmm. um, or for guidance or anything. Like I never asked for help um, with homework and whatnot um, because I found it (laughs) just easier to try to figure it out myself, especially past a certain stage where it's like, I know my mom won't be able to help me with right. this um, anyway. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, for myself, it, a lot of it was from an upbringing of thinking that I had to do a lot of things by myself mm-hmm. and that it would just be too much work or just that I couldn't, or that I wouldn't be able to explain it well enough yeah. for other people to help. Mm. So a lot of it is rooted in that. And then in general, like the past 10 years have has definitely changed with regard to access to resources mm. um, because like back then, I feel like the only books that were out were like The Ethical Slut and More Than Two. Right. Like those, those are the main two in, in the poly canon. Like that, mm-hmm. that was basically it. Mm-hmm. And now these days we have like people on social media. We have people talking about it in more, um, you know, mainstream articles and news and whatever. And there are so many more books and yeah. there podcasts, um, yeah. more people talking about it. Mm-hmm. So there are more resources to direct people to, mm-hmm. which I think is, is great. Like there could always be more. But yeah, 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 yeah. that's definitely a difference in the past 10 years. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because when we're having conversations like this, right, when people are talking about it, especially you had talked about kink, right? Like Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. a whole shift even in that community from before the internet to having space to have conversations about what was going on in the community on the internet and people becoming more aware and having more access to ideas and stuff like that, right? So, like, there is this huge cultural shift that is happening as we're getting more access to stuff like this that I think is is helping us to kind of recognize these red flags much sooner. But then we're still walking in the blind, right? Like what are the ones we don't even see right now? You know, Mm -hmm. you and I sitting here that we just don't even know yet. Or at least that's Mm -hmm. been my process. I feel like every time it's like I uncover a new one where I'm like, oop,
1: messed up there. That's that's great. Let's keep
0: (laughs) let's keep going on the mountain. Let's keep going, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, I mean that I mean I feel like that's just like a very human experience, right? Like to be human is to is really to make all sorts of mistakes all the time like mm-hmm. again like until we die
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but
0: it, it's interesting that this conversation was happening I was at least thinking about it in the last couple of days of like this idea of not to put any sort of like monogamy versus uh, non-monogamy stance on anything but it's interesting that sometimes in a monogamous framework because that's your one partner that you're not all people do monogamy this way right but like some people put all of their emotional focus into that one partnership and sometimes they don't realize that they're not being treated the way that maybe they could be treated
1: Mm, I think mm -hmm. that
0: non-monogamy not to like re-emphasize the like malleability of like collecting partners and or shifting through people but like Also, at the same time, like there is this space where like, at least in my lived experience, when you're connecting with multiple people, you might notice that someone starts to treat you a little bit better. And then you might look at that other relationship and go like, well, hold, hold on. Why aren't you know, and like that Mm -hmm. sort of like evolution process that we have as we like step into better and better relationships with people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. Like, um, it really made a huge difference having a couple other partners, like while I was seeing uh, my first partner like it took me a few years to like get into the groove of it because i was Mm. like because yeah i tend to be not like super social um tend to be fairly shy Yeah. also he was like the first person i'd ever had sex with so it's like i yeah so i I just didn't have a lot of experience and didn't have my groove or anything Mm -hmm. but yeah finally (laughs) with one partner i've told him like oh i appreciate that like you do this and this and this and he's like what but that's that's just basic I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> like, Oof, yeah, yeah, and it's just these very common, like, kind of courteous things, and he's just like, no, 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 <laughs> don't compliment me for that. Yeah, um, because yeah, like there were things that were even below the bare minimum. the The bar was on the floor, and yet my first partner like had had a shovel, and was almost determined <laughs> to dig under that bar. Yeah. Um So yeah, finding even like like common, I don't know. I I don't like to use the word like common sense or common courtesy necessarily, but something that for someone else just feels so basic where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just, I'm not even doing anything intentionally. I'm just not being an asshole.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I I, I see that in my work. I think that's, what's interesting, right? Is like Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: someone will be talking about something and, you know, I might just gently say, yeah, you can, we can have compassion for ourselves for like those moments when we mess up and they're like. Oh, that's so kind of you to say, like, wow. And I'm like, oh, you know,
1: those, (laughs) yeah, yeah,
0: data, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, So then you're just like, mm -hmm. interesting. So I think that, like, I don't know, the, the theory says, you know, we grow in relationships and we need good relationships to leave the bad. Sometimes I like yeah. when It's so simple like that. I
1: do oh, like yeah. there's
0: in, in psychology, there's like Freud and you can get into the deep psychodynamic. Mm. They start using terms. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the feminist <laughs> movement of psychology, like really like simplified. It's like, you need good relationships to leave bad. And I'm like that, that hits. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I can follow that math. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The math adds <laughs> up,
0: right? Exactly. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a, a big part of my personal work is, really being able to reach out and to accept help from other people and like the the co-regulation piece because Mm. I like growing up um, have been so good at managing myself Mm. and feeling like I was the only one who could fully manage myself and so like it was either unwise or it's just like ah you know I don't want to burden other people by putting this on other people but it's really been a game changer like oh I can rely on people. And then these feelings don't feel bad as long. Weird. <laughs> but I can actually work through these feelings rather than have them fester and then mm. pop up later. Weird. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you're anything like me, though, like that still feels uncomfortable at times for me. Like sometimes I'll like push back on someone when they've said something and like say, hey, that that bothered me or that. Offended me in that way, and like, and then I have this internal reaction of like, oh no, did I hurt their feelings? Did I blah 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 blah? And it's like yeah. such an act of discomfort, even though I would say it's the accurate thing to gently tell someone like, hey, that crossed a boundary, or hey, this. But like, at least for me, I've just noticed how significant the discomfort is of that growing process. I'm curious if that resonates with you at all.
1: Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a lot of like. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of this idea of like not taking up too much space yeah. you know as women or people like raised in a more like feminized experience of just like yeah you don't take up too much space you do take up more of the emotional labor and then there's a lot of this kind of gaslighting of like oh am I being reasonable or unreasonable like like <laughs> someone was telling me recently with like an experience they had with someone where she was asking him like oh, I uh, I just want to make sure you feel heard and that I want to be heard. This guy was like, what the heck are you talking about? What Who talks like that? <laughs> and when I heard that, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but I think many of us are taught not to take up space. Mm-hmm. And so we feel like we're made to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. If we do take up any space, mm-hmm. if we do demand any sort of it's like it's not even like that much emotional labor. It's really like this opening, this invitation to do emotional work together. Yeah. But I think like all these gendered roles and whatnot, and also this focus on hyper individualization, where it's like, yeah, everyone's got to take care of themselves, and you're a burden, you're looking for a handout, like, kind of that that mentality. Yeah. If you need other people's help,
0: mm-hmm. or you're like
1: lesser than, and like all all of these all of these narratives that come together that make it so difficult to be in relationship. That yeah, that's why I don't even, I don't put down monogamy right. at all or anything. And like, especially in this environment that we live in, um, it does feel uh, sometimes that it's like, oh, we're, it's lucky. We're lucky um, to find one person that like really clicks with us and resonates with us in a healthy way. How could we possibly ask for more? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, this a little rambly, but like, yeah, I still find it very difficult <laughs> to approach or address conflict yeah. because I was always told or shown that conflict is always bad. Yeah. That people being mad means there is a bad guy mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, something did something wrong and it has to be chastised. And so I, <laughs> yeah, I tend to be a gestator. And so whenever even like something feels wrong to me, I feel like I have to go away and think Mm-hmm. about it by myself for a little bit. And then I'll come back or maybe I'll do it over text and be like, hey, can we talk about a thing? I've been thinking about something. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is probably the reasonable space to do, right? too, like, cause it's like, mm-hmm. we can't, <laughs> This is where like TikTok psychology gets really complicated right where they're like just say everything that you need to say in the relationship don't hold back and it's like Ugh. and you know it's like whoa like big asterisk to all of that you know what i mean mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. if, if if something happens and there's some sort of conflict like the answer is not to be like well you're a horrible, horrible person like i can't believe you said mm-hmm. this and like unleash all of that the other thing is like the answer is also not to not say anything and to like completely turn inside and allow the behavior and not Mm -hmm. say anything about it right like there's some nuanced space of like hey like something happened maybe i need to take a moment to step and be alone with myself to regulate for a moment take a deep breath or ask that person like hey before we talk about this i'm noticing in my body something is happening so can we take a deep breath together before we talk about it you know like there's just mm-hmm. like so much nuanced here that I get I get worried about these TikTok videos and they're just like just say <laughs> it just say what you need to say in the relationship right. I'm like ooh, maybe take a breath first maybe
1: <laughs> <laughs> right I mean there's I feel like we've definitely seen a rise of people who because these terms are more widespread which right. can be good like the flip side is that people can then start to dilute them or start Mm -hmm. to like twist them or weaponize Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. like this whole thing with like um oftentimes I see people like using boundaries yeah you know like twisting them in a way it's like that's not actually boundaries that's like just more kind of the sneaky way to try to control or manipulate other people yeah this isn't really about you actually yeah it's right like the you know social media tiktok and all that like it's a great way to spread information like wildfire sometimes, but when there isn't enough nuance or there isn't enough like um, research you know outside of that, if people just take things at face value, mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, being like, "Oh, this was interesting, I'll go Google." something and learn more about it right yeah it's yeah pros and cons like everything else
0: totally absolutely like i'm I'm all here for free access to education on content i think we're gonna go in a better place i think i hope with i try to stay joyfully Mm -hmm. optimistic that like all of it regardless of the the milieu of the messiness of it is going to bring us to a better like collective consciousness because we're kind of hearing kind of like we started right like these red flags now that we would know in the community because of this Mm-hmm. And how that can kind of like raise us to like a different level of understanding, catching things much faster, you know, like all those memes about um the relationship anarchist. I'm doing my dissertation on relationship anarchy. mm -hmm. Uh, So like all the relationship anarchy memes of like, well, you know, like, this is my experience and I don't, you know, that's why I do relationship anarchy so that you can't have commitments and expectations with me. Like, I know, right? It's like, first off, that's relationship libertarianism. Let's talk about that. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like, hold on. (laughs) But like beyond that, it's like then using these pieces, right? As like, sort of like pawns to like, get out of you know, the basic expectations of a healthy relationship and commitments to one another.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think almost since the beginning um, when I've uh, got got into non-monogamy and whatnot, relationship anarchy was always, always had like this bad kind of a haze around it Mm -hmm. because like it's one of those things that is a really great idea and then people almost immediately Started doing bad things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was very quickly. Yeah, doing like all the things you said where it's like, oh, just it's all no strings attached. There's no accountability. There's no responsibility. It's just casual and I'm just going to flit around and nobody can tie me down, blah, blah, blah. And so I think that was one of the reasons that I was hesitant to mm-hmm like fully embrace the term totally. relationship anarchy, like it always resonated. Like if I read, you know, like the Andy Norgren's like that manifesto, right. it all resonates. Right. And like I had always um, for a while and I still call myself this, where it's like I call myself solo polyamorous with like relationship anarchy uh, leanings. Um, I feel like it's similar to how I describe, my, describe myself politically where it's just kind of like leftist. And, mm-hmm. but also maybe... <laughs> maybe communist but also like I think I would be a communist but I haven't done enough reading Um, and so like with relationship anarchy the political aspect of it I think is very important Mm -hmm. and I think there are a lot of people who use the term without taking into account the political aspect of it like you were mentioning relationship like libertarianism where it's like that is that is really what a lot of people who use RA
0: like that—that mm-hmm.
1: that is what it is. That looks like a lot more, and so I think when people try to take the politics out of it, it kind of defeats the purpose of relationship anarchy. Like I—I I, I, God, I, I like I love thinking about this. Where it's like the personal is political, and like no relationships exist in a vacuum. Right. So all relationships are political, even if they don't feel like it. Yep. So it's like yeah, with relationship anarchy, I really love that people are identifying it with it more and more. I just um, I just hope that people are still keeping it within its political context as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: which has been an interesting thing to like unfold in my interviews with people who practice Mm -hmm. like to ask like what is that political context and like see the different range of how people like see that you know from you know decentralizing you know sex and romantic uh romantic connections as the way that we connect right because I think what I've liked about relationship, and this is so fun. I hope this is fun for you. Like I get to talk about my date. This is fun. Okay. (laughs) Um, The ways that like monogamy versus non-monogamy, like that framework puts it into a sort of like bifurcation, right? Of Mm. like you're either this kind of connection or this kind of connection, which means we're placing the ways that we look at relationships as what like Sexual versus non-sexual, romantic versus non-romantic. I mean, obviously that's not taking into context asexual folks and all the other Mm -hmm. ways to connect, right? So it's like even that like dichotomy is like really based in that sort of way of looking at connections. So like if we step outside of that lens to a whole new world that maybe doesn't even put it into that, like you're either this or that, like then we're Mm -hmm. creating space. To connect on all the different ways that intimacy can be right it's like one piece of the political to like the full other side of the political, which is like this is going to deconstruct the ways that we've built the families and everything into like. This is where i'm like i'm not not to talk poorly about the practice of monogamy because there's nothing wrong with the practice of monogamy, but the way that we have structured the, uh, means of resources and connection into dyads is kind of scary Mm -hmm. because we need community structures. And that has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with monogamy and the practice of sexual fidelity. It has to do with this practice of like, are you connected to a community or not? And because of the way that like our systems, you know, private property, et cetera, et cetera, have built us into these like private, you own your home you have your lawn you have your own whatever you know and it's just the two of you and your little family it's like broken apart like the community connections and mm-hmm. like getting back to that like anarchy of the community piece which I still feel like I don't know enough about that's still <laughs> part of my I'm, I'm doing the results right now and I'm like I gotta yeah. look up more anarchy theory because I don't mm-hmm. even know you know what I mean like
1: yeah no like every like uh, like yes yeah. to everything that you said <laughs> like oh I love yeah I love that and I And like, you've probably noticed this, uh, I feel like in the past few years where um, there are some people who aren't even identifying necessarily as polyamorous anymore. Mm. They're identifying as like relationship anarchists. Yeah. And like that term resonates with them more than like polyamorous or that like there's this, uh, this whilst dichotomy of like monogamy, non-monogamy, as Mm -hmm. if they're like these two black and white um, sort of pieces where relationship anarchy can still fit with like a more romantic or sexual like exclusivity in a way like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like polyamorous Mm -hmm. Um, like monogamous people can practice relationships in a much more like moving away from more like toxic monogamy and modern normativity yeah and uh really expand the idea of relationships even within monogamy yeah yeah that's why like so many best practices within non-monogamy like apply to monogamy as well because it's just like Good relationship practice is good relationship practice mm-hmm. and yeah like yeah like you were saying like with the nuclear family and, and people living in the suburbs yes um and people being so spread out yes. and we can only rely on our little family unit mm-hmm. or we have to find community in things like church or whatnot which uh, can be a bit problematic sometimes you know <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so then we become desperate to find community in all these yep. places where uh, this community might not actually be ultimately healthy, but it's better than not having community at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's better to be in a monogamous relationship in the suburbs than to be alone or something. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't fault people for feeling or thinking that way because that means capitalism is working. That means a lot of uh, social systems are working.
0: Yeah. these are
1: these are all by design this isn't this isn't all just like a happy byproduct this is all Mm -hmm. by design yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and so then maybe the labels to talk about that is like toxic monogamy I just I want better labels to talk about these ideas because it's like because I think within our community space like the ways that we are conscious to not attack or critique monogamy you know, because it's a beautiful practice that people thrive in and enjoy when there's community connection, right? The person mm-hmm. who practices sexual fidelity and has that whole community of people around them and like thrives in that. That's great. It's like I don't know what word we need to describe for the suburb, right? Like the mm-hmm. suburb monogamy of this sort of like, it's just you and that one person and your dog or your kiddos out there, and like that's it's like that's I think that's the scarier piece that needs like more critique of if we could get a better word for what that is because when we say Mm -hmm. monogamy then every monogamous person goes oh my god oh my god oh my god it's like Mm -hmm. we're we're not Mm -hmm. talking about that practice we're talking about the like the like black hole that kind of happens which I would say is like against our social nature of of the reality that like regardless of what you're practicing sexually or you know any of romantic if you're not you know uh if you're asexual like you need other people. One person mm-hmm. will not meet all of your needs, just hands down. Just mm-hmm. confident to, to declare that I will say. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, as humans, we're just, we're so social. Yeah, like and um, uh, <laughs> even though. According to the news and and everything with climate change or whatever, we're very good at destroying ourselves. But like <laughs> part of the reason why we've lasted you know this long is because of collaboration yes. and because humans are very good at working together. I I I believe that human nature is not inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we are driven to do quote unquote bad things in certain situations because that's what we are led to believe like this is the way and this is what we have to do in order to survive. Being basically brainwashed under like a scarcity mentality while also manufacturing scarcity and infighting where it's like, oh, poor people fight poor people. And and like, you know, yeah, marginalized groups fighting amongst marginalized groups while like rich assholes are like (laughs) just sitting on their mounds and mounds of cash that they can never, could never in a lifetime spend. yes (laughs) but we all we're all squabbling over scraps and so we're too busy to think of a better world we're too tired to imagine a better world yes we are and also the social pressures where it's like well if everyone around me is in like a like a they live in a suburb they have a house they got married they did the thing and what am what am I doing what am I a loser (laughs) for not doing all this stuff so yeah there's the social pressures on top of that where it's like they don't like uh work doesn't even have to be done anymore. It's just the the gears are turning and it's just happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so yeah, yeah. Oh God. It's like it's it's all it's all so there's so many huge topics to think about with regard to relationships. And it's like it doesn't even have to do with non monogamy necessarily. Right. It's just yeah, it could be any sort of relationship or like coworkers, friends, family, our neighbors, people that we maybe just meet once in the street or whatever. Like even those connections Like even that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm resonating with so much of what you said. And I, (laughs) I could pick apart probably all of them talk to you for hours about it. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I, I, Mm -hmm. I love to put my faith into the hope and belief that humans are good, right? Like that inherently Mm -hmm. humans, like we were kind of saying, we we want to work together. We want to be in the state of, of pleasurable connection with one another, which I would say is not fighting in that like stressed out. Uh, nervous system response but the reality of living in a society where there's a scarcity mindset maybe a more accurate way to say that would be not even mindset but forced scarcity based Mm -hmm. on the systems right Mm -hmm. like of course this is how we get into a space where this is how we're reacting and fighting and all this sort of stuff because that's what that's what the system thrives on i saw that Mm -hmm. um that video, I wonder if you saw this um, about like the uh, Titanic submersible and the tragedy <laughs> that that is, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, but like the, the reality of the, I think it was 200 and $250,000 for the ticket. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for it, I think it was for a billionaire. If you put that into what they get paid
1: compared mm-hmm. to someone
0: who makes $40,000 a year mm-hmm. and you try and compare those up to see like, what's the cost of that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar ticket for the billionaire compared to the person who makes forty thousand. And for them, that's a cup of
1: coffee. Right. Yeah. Drop what? in the bucket. hmm <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I can't even ma- imagine like right now, like making two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a year. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> right?
0: That's a cup of coffee. I just spent that over the you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess and I get angry too because then therapists do like sliding scale stuff where we're like, we need to give access to all people so that they have services, they have services, which I a hundred percent agree. And then it's at the other end, like, why are therapists the ones sitting in the middle though of that? And the reality that like we should also have sliding scale up because if someone can do that mm-hmm. for a cup of coffee mm-hmm. on their costs, then like those people should be paying accurately for the cost of that's even for what we're doing for the sliding scale down. Like, it's just like so Mm -hmm. many people who are trying to do this, like, I want to help. I want to help. I want to help get in this space where then they're the ones suffering with the pain of that reality to do Mm -hmm. that while other people are just like on their yachts, having a good life. And I'm like, damn,
1: (laughs) damn right and there's all this this mentality that like oh these people deserve to be able to not have to worry about that because they worked really hard for that right like it's like to make money is a moral good it means that you're like really smart it means you're really savvy it means like i mean there's all this like that that like bullshit social darwinism kind of stuff um built into it and so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I mean, this is this is the stuff I really like to talk about with regard to polyamory and non-monogamy and I stuff. Love it, where yeah. it's like where <laughs> it's like I um, I feel like there are enough people talking about the jealousy aspects and like how do we deal with metamors and and all that. And it's it, it that stuff um, still needs to be talked talked about. Um, don't get me wrong. Like a lot of the the, the nitty gritty of like polyamory logistics um, is still very important to talk about from mm-hmm. a wide variety of perspectives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is the stuff I really like to chew on. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Because it's what maybe we need to do if we want to create that new future. Right. Like, I I don't know what that new future is. I was just Mm -hmm. straight up walking to Target earlier this day and I was like, "Mm, how are we going to do this? Like, how (laughs) are we going to, how are we going to take this down and like build this, Mm -hmm. like just walking through the aisles by myself? And I'm like, I don't know. Right. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, I think it's conversations like this and like the collective like vibrations of people realizing more and more these systems Mm -hmm. and becoming aware because of the internet, right? Dark light gives us all the good and the bad, but like people are waking up.
1: Yes. I mean, I think, especially within the past few years, I think you saw a lot of people having like a a bit of a a rise in class consciousness a little bit. There's definitely a difference between how people think like now versus like 2019. Mm-hmm. um the, the awareness that a lot of people have uh now versus 2019 like there are definitely people who are still uh who's definitely still buy in to everything but like a lot of people woke up mm-hmm. and were made to confront a lot of things and were made to see like the vast vast inequality yeah. that isn't just like oh this is the natural order of things like no no no, no there's something wrong mm-hmm. going on here so yeah I hold on to hope because I feel like mm, it's better than the alternative. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Like conversations like this and helping people, uh, realize that there are options. Like it doesn't make, it doesn't mean that you have to choose a specific option, but there are more options than this. Yeah. There are more options than like the relationship escalator. And you know, that's just steeped in like heteronormativity and mononormativity and matonormativity, Mm -hmm. all the, all the normativities. Um, there's more, Mm -hmm. there's more. And it's, A lot of it is easier said than done. And a lot of it is, there are a lot of privileges that go into being able to explore alternative relationship styles also. Yeah. But there are options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I feel like I always... Try to
0: take the lens of informed consent. And I think that comes from my like mm. research experience, right? Where it was like, when I'd be consenting people to research studies, I would have to give them the full, you know, here's the risk, the benefits, the yada, yada, you get to make this choice, informed consent, voluntary, right? Like, I think the nuanced conversation is that because of mononormativity, we have not been given the informed consent that there are other options available and both have risks and benefits. And at the end of the day, you can mm-hmm. get to choose, right? And so like at times I, I proclaim so loudly the like non-monogamy piece because we didn't have that informed consent. But then the more nuanced of that is like people get to choose, right? And mm-hmm. so, like my second piece of this that I've been thinking about it's like pleasure. Like what is the model that brings you the most pleasure and how can you tune into your own body, your own wisdom, your own intuition to follow that thing that spoke to you when you first had those click moments. When I first mm-hmm. had those clicking moments after I got over the, the fact that like someone could love me and someone else equally and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, mm-hmm. Like It was such a, like an authentic calling that I started going and like, man, I love my life. Like, I swear to God, like, I love how I'm building my relationships and the freedom that I have. And like, it mm-hmm. feels so good. And I, one of my uh, close friends is like thriving in monogamy and loving it and having such a good time. And I'm like, yes, like both of us, like, this is what we need to do is like follow whatever that is to you and like, keep going down it. uh
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely yes. Exactly. Like yeah, I, lo- I love my life. Yeah. Like when I when I think about my life even just like two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago, where it's like, wow. Yeah. All these things that like at ten years ago I couldn't even have imagined for myself. Yeah. And now I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And it feels great. It's yes. not without obstacles and, you know, working through stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. But like, wow. I'm just so excited to see what like this trajectory where where it takes me. Sure. Um, because if like I'm doing this now, Exactly. Uh, you know, what, 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 what levels can I unlock, you know, <laughs> even in one year from now, like it's, it's, there's so much potential. There's really, I feel like that's like the the best part is like how freeing and how liberating mm-hmm. thinking about all the options are. I um, mean, mm-hmm. it's also the, like the scariest part, I think for yeah. a lot of people where it's like, oh, I don't have just the one script to follow anymore. Mm-hmm. And I have to make all these very intentional decisions at all of these choice points, yep. like holy crap (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I think my
0: partner and I spent like Jesus like three four hours like talking about the dynamics of our relationship because I'm embarking upon like another connection with someone and like just the differences between like you know when you have a dom sub dynamic and embarking upon that sort of dynamic with maybe someone else and having multiple Mm -hmm. doms and other sorts of pieces and all that Mm -hmm. there's just so much to talk about as you're stepping into all of this right so Mm -hmm. it's like yeah. There's so much, I would say like, I don't want to use the word word work. There's so much like exploration in all of mm-hmm. it that we do when we're talking with partners of like constructing these worlds and being conscious of how they affect other people and all of that. And like, yeah, I don't know, give another year, like what exactly my relationship structure will look like. I At, at these points now and how I'm trying to construct relationships, I just hope that Whoever I am connecting with, I am making intentional relationships that will last a lifetime, regardless of what shape or type of connection it is. If we go away from a sexual connection or shift from a platonic to a sexual or romantic or whatever those labels mean, because like who's going to define all of that, by the way, just to be clear. (laughs) But for language Mm -hmm. sake, you know what I mean? Like, I just hope that whoever I'm building with, we're going to last. Like, we're going to last through it and figure out some way for us to all be in connection with one another.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I feel like over the years, yeah, the the lines between like, what is a partner? What is a friend? Right. What is this and that? It's right. just become blurred. And <laughs> yep. it has become less and less important to me. Mm-hmm. What's more important is just like, okay, well, what do we want to do with each other? <laughs> you know? yes. Like, that's, that's it. Like, I don't necessarily care what a person calls me or because I use like partner as a blanket term sure and then sometimes I'll be like oh partner friend a friend partner a sexy friend (laughs)
0: like what (laughs) Um, yeah
1: but yeah because like the specific labels are not important to me Mm -hmm. they do not necessarily help me situate myself with this person it's more just like oh well what do we do you know yeah do we or do we share more emotional like vulnerability with each other are we more sexual with each other more romantic do we just like to go to movies together like do we maybe talk to each other once maybe twice a year but like the connection keeps going yeah Yeah, it's just all the different possibilities and all the potential like I, I love just letting relationships be whatever they're going to be um and again like you know some people think that like oh that means you don't communicate or whatever you like go with the flow it's like no like we go with the flow but we talk about the flow a big conversation about the flow multiple hours about the flow (laughs) right and like uh over time too it's like don't just have like one big conversation you're just like no we're talking about it all the time and i'm one of those people who like loves that i love talking about relationships I know the people I'm in a relationship with yeah like it's it's so fun
0: <laughs> and personally nothing makes my pussy wetter than that honestly like when oh my I god really yeah. get connected mm-hmm. and close and feel seen and know that we're kind of like going on the same trajectory which is change by the way like mm, get comfortable with like mm-hmm, we're we're mm-hmm. on this trajectory of change that's going to evolve over time yes. like man I've never felt more seen I've never felt more close and I'm like yes please come get this like it's wet right
1: <laughs> Exactly like oh my god we're on the same page on everything like let me jump your bones yeah. now yeah, Exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly mm-hmm. exactly and like yeah I was just journaling that the other day kind of what you were saying a few like moments back in the conversation too of like I don't know where i'm going you know what i mean like i mm-hmm. I, know, I know we know we know we're building our intentional little world of people right but like mm-hmm. i don't know where that's gonna go in the most beautiful and exciting way because like if there's been this trajectory at least for for me of like a, a evolution in terms of like my ability to be in connection with one another in terms of intimacy and boundaries and communication like if this is going on this like upward trend like yeah, take me to the moon. Let's go. Like mm-hmm. this is this is very exciting. I don't know how we're gonna get there, but like I I love that like we're growing in relationships.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it's like last month, like someone like escalated a relationship with me, and like but to still be like oh friends, and the conversation was so good. We like talked on the phone for like yeah. an hour, and it was like there were still laughs and everything, mm-hmm. and going away from it, I had to sit because I'm like am I actually feeling okay or am I doing my avoidant thing Mm. where I'm like shelving it but it's been a while it's been long enough and I've talked to my therapist too where it's like no I feel very okay with it where it's like um even in the conversation I was like okay like uh we aren't like romantic partners or sexual partners anymore but like we can still go to karaoke together, right? right like We can right. still banter and laugh and like, get dinner together every once in a while or get boba mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds fine to me. Like, yeah. I, I, it's, it's not like I have to, you know, in your presence, stop myself from trying to jump your bones and it's going to be a problem. It's like, no, I'm still going to enjoy doing all these other activities with you mm-hmm. because that's just what the relationship is. And I'm totally fine with that. And it's right. just like mind blowing to think about that this can be what life is. Where it's like mm-hmm. these shifts in relationships can happen and they don't have to be the end of the world. They don't have yeah. to trigger a movie montage of like crumpled tissues and, you know, watching, <laughs> watching trash TV, yeah. in a depressed state on my, on my couch. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and it's, yeah it's it's so freeing it's it's really incredible yeah
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that doesn't sell as a movie you know what i mean like no (laughs) (laughs)
1: no where's the conflict yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) me and my partner clearly and calmly talking for multiple hours right or that like de-escalating into like yeah we're going to karaoke together it's like Mm -hmm. ah how how boring but like at the like the reality is what you're feeling what i'm feeling is like how amazing like these are relational Mm -hmm. skills like and if man if relational cultural theory says anything it's that like relationships form your quality of life and like if we Mm, continue mm. to get better relational skills like at least personally my quality of life is is really good like i i really love the beautiful people that i have in my life that i can go to and talk to and have intimacy and connect with in all the different ways like that's the hallmark movie i want
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and i think this is why like to reiterate the point of like you know going back to politics of like i think this is why it's very important to talk about politics with relationships because like politics is basically the discussion about like who gets what like how mm. we distribute resources yeah um and like influence mm-hmm. yeah who gets to decide that and then who gets what that's what relationships are relationships are kind of a microcosm just like the larger political sphere and so in order to have better relationships like we have to acknowledge like the larger systems at play Mm -hmm. the larger pressures at play Mm -hmm. um, um, and then vice versa too it's like if we look at the larger systems at play we um, are better able to interrogate how we uh, approach and move through relationships and yeah it makes our relationships better it helps us you know hopefully uh, with those relationships, organized together yep. in order to affect the change and trying to make the world a little bit of a better place. Yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. I think, do you know about Dr. Ruth?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I watched
0: the documentary about her and I remember- <laughs> At different times you know everyone's on their mm-hmm. own things but she had talked about how like oh yeah i do sex like i don't get political i do not get political and i'm like mm. the personal is political oh, right, <laughs> It is right, right there dr <laughs> Ruth. damn yeah. it you know so like as someone mm-hmm. stepping into like the same sort of like field i'm like the personal is political and like there's no way to like extricate that from everything that we're doing from this conversation from the larger systems we're dreaming about and i think at least for me, there's reasons why, like, you know, even though I call myself a relationship anarchist, I put, you know, in the description, like I'm non-monogamous, right? Like Mm -hmm, getting mm -hmm. people to like come in and understand the conversation and join and start to think about these ideas. Like there's political pieces like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what does it mean when I'm saying that, like in this podcast, we're exploring sex, relationships, and liberation? Like what is relationships? I think when you say that word, a lot of people are like, oh, you're a romantic partner, you're a romantic partner. And I'm like, No, like what is your relationship to other humans what is your relationship to nature ecology like maybe one day i'll cover climate change i don't want to get dark and you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. an important piece of it too like what's your relationship it's all connected yeah
1: Mm -hmm. it's all connected
0: yeah your relationship to spirituality to god that shit starts to play into your sex life real fast because Mm -hmm. am I having sex to create from the heavenly father who's ordained our connection and our marriage and to do this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Am I channeling things? Am I doing sex magic, right? Like there's like all this sort of stuff. Like you, I just, I don't think you can like, not to hit on Dr. Ruth a little hard, but like, Mm -hmm. I just don't think you can do sex without getting political and looking at the relationships to these
1: larger structures, you know? absolutely and it's it's very interesting um because like dr ruth like the one of the reasons why she's an icon it is because like the, the political reasons like it's mm-hmm. so it's shocking right for, like um someone to speak so openly about sex a woman to speak so openly yep. about sex an older woman yep. who, like the conception she's i don't know there's, there's a lot of like prudishness attached to this image but like she's just talking very openly about it
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: you know in today's political sphere where it's like a lot of education is being attacked. Of like, oh, are we? Where are they grooming our children in schools? Um, I mean, the state of sex ed in in schools has been terrible for forever, and that's there are very very political reasons behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the like all all the things around relationships and sex. Like, yeah, we cannot. <laughs> we just can't separate that from from politics because uh you know with with regard to like healthcare and everything like mm-hmm. those are very political things and it's all related yeah
0: mm-hmm. oh totally and when we come into the field of psychology who's going to be like hey you have the issue something's wrong with mm. you and your libido and i'm like well maybe climate change is stressing you out. Maybe the fact that you're stressed about Mm -hmm. affording your meal is stressing you out because of these systems. We can go back to, you know, the the billionaire part of this conversation, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe the system isn't made for your pleasure. Let's be honest about that one. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I I just get angry when we put the blame onto the people, right? Mm -hmm, Rather than the mm -hmm. larger systems. And so I think like, like you said, like it has to be grounded in this level of conversation otherwise or placing blame on the individual and like not really hitting like you know like sexual assault prevention work starts with education mm, mm-hmm, it starts mm-hmm. with education and then my whole thing has been like the whole healing continuum of even that process is to enjoy pleasure and to be thriving and so for me that means kink you know what I mean mm, and like mm-hmm, when I get mm-hmm. those one-star reviews on this podcast <laughs> Ooh. I respect people if they think this podcast is trash. I get it. You have your own opinion, but like one star feels aggressive. You know what I mean? Mm, like, like, mm-hmm. like you're putting out quality, like some sort of level of quality content. Maybe three. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But like one, I'm like, ooh, you feel scared. You feel challenged. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I am one star quality content. I
1: know. You know, I don't want to toot my horn. Jesus. Mm-hmm, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, like it's oh, like yeah with with therapy like what if we're having a reasonable reaction to a lot of like the messed up shit that's happening you know what if we're having a very reasonable reaction to like being forced to spend 40 plus hours a week having to create value for someone else to make like a bunch of money um off of us and then we get the scraps and then we've got a bootstrap our way through life through relationships you know trying to thrive instead of survive crossing that threshold from survival to like thriving that's like that's huge uh, mm-hmm. and um and yeah like, like what if yeah depression or anxiety and anxiety and all all of these other things it's like What if that is your just human natural reaction (laughs) to being surrounded by fucked up shit?
0: (laughs) Totally, totally. And the relationships, Uh, right? Like when we go mm -hmm. back to like the relationships we grew up with, yours, mine, ours, like all those created, that wasn't us. It's not like we like grew up with that, you know, DNA there. I mean, the the epigenetic research is pretty fascinating. Mm. Oh, man.
1: There there was like
0: one study where they had uh, conditioned, I think it was mice or rats, of the rodents to um be afraid of cherry blossoms uh for the first generation and then didn't do that conditioning for the rest but then bred them out and it was either three or four generations later they were still afraid of the cherry blossom Mm. smell so like i do think there's some like nuance to the reality that like it might also even be your genetics right but like at the end of the day it's like it, it it's not you and i think that comes back to that faith in the that humans are Inherently good, like inherently, we want to work together. Inherently, we want to be in good
1: relationships. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, a nice- I mean, oh. oh god, I feel, I feel like it, it's, it feels like a triumph whenever like even one good connection is made, um because it's like, oh, it just it opens up the possibility for like more good connections to be made. I think, yeah, with like connections with real depth and commitment to, you know, uh, supporting one another mutually. We aren't taught to do that because it's not, we're not incentivized to do that. It's a lot of, we're incentivized to like, take care of ourselves and, yeah. you know, like screw other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it almost feels like a miracle when it does work out well sometimes, but um, but yeah, gotta, 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 you know, stay hopeful.
0: <laughs> well, because it's happening. Like, look at you and I having this conversation right now. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that you have a community of people that love you, that are having the same value systems, that are growing, and I, I frequently look at my friends. I'm like, yeah, what a privilege we have that like this is our community where we we recognize and mm-hmm. have nonviolent communication and other sorts mm. of things. You know about this, like there's ripples every single time that we have these Mm -hmm. conversations, every time that you have that conversation with someone on the street, the friend that you call in for closer intimacy, even when that means boundaries, right? Like Mm -hmm. those have ripples. And I like, I I do believe that like the same ways that like we're growing into this and learning, like other people are learning. And like collectively when we do that as a whole, there's so many more of us Mm. than there is at the top.
1: Hmm. Oh, absolutely. Oof! Revolution absolutely. gets me turned
0: on. Fuck! I'm like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. There's so much more of us. There's so mm-hmm. much more.
1: Hmm. And it's like, of course, if we try to like tackle these on our own or in small groups, like it's not going to no, work. But enough. like it's really like uh, <laughs> the the messages from like a mug's life you know it's like there are like so many of us and we're very strong together yes. um if we can figure out to like work together toward like a common goal or a common enough goal common enough direction mm-hmm. um like we can really achieve so much but there are so many systemically made obstacles yes that prevent us from doing this mm-hmm. uh, so yes an up- uphill battle but um I don't know, like you definitely see pockets of people doing a lot of good work. And, you know, that uh, helps me remain hopeful. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It's happening. It's happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to hold space, too, because I know that you also wanted to talk a little bit about what it means to be Asian and polyamorous. And mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. feels like maybe like a side. It's obviously not a sidetrack because it's all connected to the intersectionality of all this. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. wanted to hold space, too,
1: since you had messaged that that was something you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I mean it. It really like intertwines with a lot of what we've been talking about, with like relationships and politics, and Mm -hmm. um, how different marginalized identities, like how that affects how we can approach and be in relationship. It's like I mean, I think you know anything that I want to talk about with regard to like Asian and and polyamorous, we've kind of talked about in like the broad strokes already. And also, yeah, I I like that you brought up like epigenetics. Like epigenetics is, is so wild within our lifetimes, like the rise of epigenetic science. I, 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 yeah, I feel like that's been happening like within our lifetime mm-hmm. where before it's thought that like, oh, no, 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 no. Like there is no leftover thing that's transferred from the parent to the child aside mm-hmm. from just like genes, but you don't, you can't transfer like feelings or whatever in genes. <laughs> yeah, in like evolutionary science and what, what, whatnot. But yeah, like, I mean, just speaking of the United States, like, you know, people of color here and like all the, the racial trauma mm-hmm. that's passed down. Mm-hmm. Um and class trauma that's passed down that just surrounds us. And I think a lot of us are very hesitant to embrace that idea that a lot of it is already just Ingrained in our genes, mm. um, because it takes it seems to take away a lot of agency. Yes, us. exactly. Um, and that can be very scary. And I and I can see why people like push back against that. And of course, like we don't know the exact ratio of like the whole nature nurture thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what, how much of it is in the genes? How much of it do we have control over? But within the non monogamy space, even though there are more resources these days, you can definitely see that certain perspectives and certain people are still favored when it comes to like who we listen to or who we um, make viral or who yeah. we, um, you know, support. Yeah, when it comes to sharing resources, a lot of them are white, a lot of them are uh, cishet. There are a lot of triads as well. And mm-hmm. I don't have anything like, against triads specifically, but they're definitely an overrepresentation mm-hmm. of triads and triples in like mainstream representation of polyamory. It's like, God, like triads. There's really there's a lot more than we can do yes. than yes. that. And also, triads are very difficult. Um, so it can be kind of misleading that they're fairly common on like the social media space mm. because like that's like a high level relationship thing totally, <laughs> totally. That's not like a beginner relationship thing. Monogamous are nominal, like whoever you are, like that's not a beginner relationship.
0: no, lots of
1: intersections going on there, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, all all these intersections and uh different marginalizations like earlier you're talking about like you know disability Mm -hmm. and how like again with the political stuff where it's like you know in what was it 2014 2015 we had quote-unquote marriage equality Mm. but like that was only with regard to like same-sex uh marriage basically and people with disabilities still have to struggle with the marriage thing because like oh, if you get married and you suddenly both have too much money, you lose disability benefits, and like all these these um, benefits just seems like such a euphemistic mm. <laughs> term. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah for like yeah for resources for that you need fright. to survive. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah, just I I don't I don't know. I feel like my brain is just like trying to go through all these yeah. different things. Like instead of just talking about being Asian, there's like there's just so many different intersections. Mm-hmm. And again, just harping on this, like the political aspect of relationships, desirability politics, like who who gets to have dates, mm-hmm. who gets to be seen as conventionally attractive, mm-hmm. you know. Um there's just so many topics. I mean, like you said, like these things we could probably talk about for hours and hours and still find other threads and whatnot because, because this really does encompass so much of life in yeah. general. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you can really tackle this from a, a billion different ways. But, but yeah, like I always encourage people to try to seek out a greater diversity of, of voices. Like we're out here and diversity of thought and of of perspectives it just enriches the experience It i don't know it, it, i feel like it, it helps foster uh, further connection and mm-hmm. in summation just there are a lot of different voices out there and i think people could work a little harder to try to find more of those perspectives that aren't upheld as much
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and that's how we thrive right like it I was thinking of the metaphors of ecology right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the more we take away like all the diversity of our species and our biodiversity like our planet is falling apart right and so it's just yeah it's like we need that diversity of thought of ideas of perspective of lenses to be able
1: to like truly thrive Mm -hmm. right like seeking out this diversity while also focusing on like common threads and like you said, I, I mean, I I hope this space
0: where I come in and meet with other amazing, beautiful people who can have these conversations, like I hope sometimes I get worried. I'm like, am I going to have enough content to run this for a, like a lifetime, for my lifetime? Yeah. And then, <laughs> but then something like this, I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think there'll be yeah. enough to talk about throughout talk the about. journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so like, and, go ahead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And, and yeah, like things keep progressing. I mean, like the Laurel around us, Keeps changing. So there's always going to be something new to talk about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. That's why I've been telling my guests, like, maybe I need y'all to come back at a later date. We'll check back in, see where (laughs) where we're at. What are we chewing on now these days? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to hold a little bit of space as we come towards the end of our time. I always check in just to make sure there wasn't anything on your heart that maybe we didn't hit to, you didn't get the space to say in the conversation. So Otherwise, I have a closing question I ask all my guests that I could bring us towards.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we covered a lot. And so I I feel like we covered a lot of what I wanted to talk about. I mean, really the emphasis of like the personal is political and all that. I feel like that is like a main takeaway that I want people to have like Mm -hmm. all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I really enjoyed getting to
1: connect with you and
0: and feel very seen in your understanding of what I'd shared and I just I always appreciate those moments when I find like fellow souls who kinda like just just get it, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Likewise, likewise. Yeah.
0: Well then the question I will ask you as I ask every guest is what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal?
1: Um and I'll that- date Oh, go ahead. Oh yes, no. Go ahead.
0: I'll, say, I'll date myself by saying that this was like my thought around like the Yahoo Answers question I was typing oh. in, <laughs> in my little phone as a kid, going like, "Is this, this, this normal? Is anyone
1: awesome? else <laughs> This is normal. Yeah. Um. Well, I think we should embrace the fact that humans are very weird. Mm-hmm. A very weird, kinky animal. Like, um, not necessarily an animal that's more special, but like, I think all animals are are a bit weird. Humans are very weird. Yeah, I like to push back against this like more, quote unquote, civilized uh, conceptualization of what humans have to be or should be. Yes. Humans are really kinky. Humans Mm -hmm. are really weird, like, Mm -hmm. and not just in like a sexual and romantic space, but there are more weirdos out there than there are like, I don't know, quote unquote, normies, because I don't even really think that normies exist. I think there are a lot of people who have convinced themselves to become normies because that's what's incentivized. But the brain is an incredible engine and comes up with a lot of weird shit. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you're thinking of some weird stuff, or if you have a, a different perception of what the world is like, what life is like, it's likely that other people at least have a similar deal. Like there are 8 billion people in the world now. Like we're all really, really weird. And it's very unlikely that like you're alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just I think I think it would be helpful for more people to embrace the fact that humans are just weird as shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's almost become like I think a little running joke on the podcast, like whenever someone like pushes back on the normalized question to say, like, we're not normal. We are weird. I'm like, you are an anarchist. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Question everything. Dismantle all hierarchies. Build yes. community. Yes. yes.
0: Past, past, past. <laughs> where mm-hmm. would you want to mm-hmm. plug so people can find your content and connect with you?
1: Yeah. So I primarily live on Instagram. So at polyamorous Asian. And then I also, uh, if I ever post something to the feed, I'll also put it on my website, polyamorouswellasian.com, so that you don't have to just live on Instagram. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Great. I'll have all of that linked below in the show notes, and it was such a pleasure to connect with you today.
1: Yeah, it was great. Really, really enjoyed uh, connecting with you and talking with you about a lot of a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Mm, so juicy,
0: so juicy. <laughs> 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 oh. If you enjoy today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And head on over to modernanarchypodcast.com to get resources and learn more about all the things we talked about on today's episode. I want to thank you for tuning in and I will see you all next week.